Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. I'd like to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight on the topic of married to God. And I'm going to open up with with a a verse of Scripture, and that's going to be 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I thank y'all. Y'all may be seated. See, that topic tonight, married to God, sometimes I phrase it in a little bit of a different way, and I talk about the depths of covenant relationship. While some of us might have heard of that term before, others of us may see it as a new concept, or maybe we've heard it but never put much thought into what it truly meant. God's desire is to live in covenant with each of us, but it's important to ask the question, what does that mean? What is covenant relationship, and how do I apply it to my life? Going back to that verse that I opened up with, it says says that the, the, the Word of God, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God... That the people that claim to live under, under his authority may be made perfect, meaning to be made mature, thoroughly furnished, furnished like a house. The house has been swept clean. It's been, it's been equipped for what needs to happen through the house. So everything that the house needs to be a house has now been furnished into it for what reason? Unto all good works. The works did not furnish the house. The furnished house allowed for good works. We're prepared for the work of God. See, the covenant relationship between God and man is often paralleled to the covenant relationship of marriage. Covenant between man and woman. The Bible shows us the, the makings of covenant relationship. It shows us what covenant relationship looks like. It shows us the power that covenant holds. The Bible even refers to God's people as the bride of Christ. That means we're called to commitment. We're called to an unbreakable vow between us and our creator. See, every relationship has to have a starting point. I believe God's divinely orchestrated each of us to be in this presence tonight. And that's not because I have anything special to say, but I believe that what God has showed me through this study, it's something that every Christian needs to hear. It's radicalized the way that I viewed my own personal relationship with God, and I'm hoping that I can share that same vision with you tonight. You may have walked down the street and heard of that man named Jesus. You've heard of his love maybe or maybe you've heard about the stories of the things that he's done you've heard how he has healed cancer caused the blind to see 
but most powerfully, he has fellowship with his people. He came down into the midst of his people and filled them with his spirit. Do I have a witness of that in the house tonight? That God has fellowship with his people even today? That his spirit comes down into the midst of us? So we've heard that name. We've heard that beautiful name. We've heard that marvelous name, the name of Jesus. But we cannot be complacent in just knowing his name. Matthew 7, starting at verse 21, says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22 says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. The next verse, verse 23, says, But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So we must ask ourselves today, do I know of God or have I met him? Meeting is always the first step. And if you haven't met him here tonight, there's opportunity for you to meet God in this service tonight. I'm happy to be a part of a congregation and to be with a congregation that believes that there is power in meeting God. There is power step, and when you step into God's presence, God inhabits churches like this church and churches like the con- this congregation, because we're all the same church, church, this congregation and my congregation. He inhabits our services because we know that God responds to praise. And we are not afraid to give it. And guess what? We don't stop at praise in a worship service. This church is not afraid to live a lifestyle that is worshipful to God. So we cannot get so caught up in knowing God's name that we forget who he is. Knowing his name is not the same as knowing his character. Just like any relationship, God, knowing God starts very simply. Pay close attention. Listen to his word. Spend time with him. Learn what pleases him and learn what hurts him. Learn his will for your future. And try to live in that will, actively applying his will to your life. God's not chasing a whim. He presents himself with intention. He has a plan for you to be his bride forever. He's already went to prepare a home place for you to reside with him in eternity. He's already purchased the land and built a great mansion in the sky. Bride of Christ. That's who we're called to be, bride of Christ. The attitudes of those around you towards covenant will be reflected in your own attitude towards covenant. The way that people around you see how a relationship should function, that's going to bleed into your view of a relationship. Just like in marriage, if you are surrounded with couples who are unhappy, unfaithful, unloving, that spirit will bleed into your relationship. 
I have another excerpt of scripture, and that's 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. And it says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to accompany with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. He says, I wasn't talking about the fornicators who were in the world. I wasn't saying don't associate with the fornicators who are lost, who need God. I didn't say avoid those people. Or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. You would have to leave the world to avoid worldly people who sinned. Who indulged in lifestyles that glorified sin. You'd have to leave the world to avoid those kinds of people. But then he clarifies what he was talking about when he said to not fellowship with fornicators. It said in in verse 11, it says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, someone who claims to be a believer, claims to be the bride of Christ, claims to be in covenant, be a fornicator. In some of these words, I, I wasn't sure exactly the definition, so I had to look them up, and I tagged them in my thing. So I'm going to say that, too. If any person be a fornicator, or covetous, meaning greedy, or an idolater, or a railer, meaning an abusive person, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, someone who cheats people, a thief, with such an one not to eat, Don't even eat with them. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Who am I to judge those who are outside the church? Do not ye judge them that are within? Aren't we supposed to judge those who are in the church, who claim to be believers, who indulge in sin? But them that are without God, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. We must be careful to have godly people around us to example what true covenant with Christ is. We must surround ourselves with those who serve joyfully. Covenant is not a place for bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14-17 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, defiled by a root of bitterness. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food... One moment of gratification, one moment of fleshly victory, sold his birthright, sold his eternal inheritance, not only for his generation, for for every generation to come down his bloodline would not inherit the blessing and the inheritance that was meant for him. He traded it all. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It was too late. He had already traded his eternal inheritance. 
He already made the decision. He already traded it. He already lost his opportunity. So covenant is not a place for bitterness. Covenant is a place for fruit. And I have another long excerpt, <laughs> excerpt of scripture, and that's Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Ghost produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous one another. So covenant is not a place for bitterness. It's a place for fruit. Covenant is meant for fruit. We see this in Genesis. As soon as God creates man and woman, he gives them the command, be fruitful church this is why the attitude of the saints is so important fruit grows in the womb as a product of intimacy love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control if the fruit is the product of intimacy and intimacy is meant for covenant the two greatest commandments to love God and to love people can only truly be fulfilled in dedicated covenant relationship and I have a couple of examples I'd like to share with you tonight my first is a wife and her husband they're standing in their kitchen the wife's cooking dinner and she looks over at her husband and she says hey uh, sweetheart I'm cooking dinner do you mind taking out the trash and the husband looks at looks at his wife and says sweetheart would you divorce me on those grounds would you divorce me if I didn't perform this chore that's a red flag. That's crazy. Why would you ask that question, we might say. We think in our head, like, that's, that's a crazy thing to ask. Something seemingly so small. Will you divorce me over that? Will you divorce me over that? But we do the same thing as Christians 
in the modern world almost every day. But we ask it a little different. We say, is that a heaven or hell issue? Will I fall out of covenant if I don't do this thing? But the truth is that covenant is not about what you can get away with not doing. It's not about doing the bare minimum. It's about serving the other because of the love that you have for them. You see, this husband, this husband gets the privilege of taking out the trash. Can the wives say amen? (laughs) This husband gets the privilege of taking out the trash because he has the privilege and blessing of being in covenant relationship. Is it really love if you're not willing to serve fully? My second example is of a household where each spouse has a list of things to accomplish. Wash all the dishes, check. Take out the trash, check. Keep the grass mowed, check. Dinner on the table at six, check. Mindlessly and meaninglessly repeating the phrase, I love you, at least once a day. But without the heart being in it, without love being in it, none of those things matter. None of those things are worth their salt if you do not have love backing up the things that you are doing. The truth is you can have all the things I mentioned a moment ago and still have a terrible marriage. Especially if there's no intimacy between the two of you. I have a co- I'm going off my notes for just a second, and it's because I, 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 I want to share this. And this is some stuff that's, that really radically changed my view about God, right? So let's say, I, I, you know, I'm not married, you know. So imagine I, I go and I fall in love with somebody. I find the one who, I, who I'm meant to be with, you know, the bride of Christ. Let's, and, let's, and we're going to use this example just because we have to tie it to the Bible. And so that's the best way to do it. So we're the bride of Christ, and he is our groom. He is faithful. He is true, and there's no way that we could deserve to be in a relationship with them. We're too immature. We would be a terrible wife. But he proposes to us by his grace and says, Hey, even though you do not deserve this relationship, I'm offering it to you. Even though you don't even know what it means to be a wife yet, I'm going to offer you this relationship. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. And I say, I I, I make the decision, yes, I love you. I want to marry you. And we run to the courthouse and we sign our marriage license. Okay? We've signed this document and, and, and it says that we're married. Okay? And then we're running and we're going to our marriage ceremony. We're headed that way. We're in the car. And I don't believe that God would do this in this scenario spiritually, but you're in the car headed to your marriage ceremony. Get ran over by a bus. When you died, were you married? Were you married? You were in love with this person 100%, willing to do anything they asked, willing to fulfill covenant as far as you could take it. Headed to your wedding ceremony, got hit by a bus, were you married? Yes, but only because the heart was backing up. Now, this is where we tie it into Jesus' name, baptism. The public ceremony where the bride takes on the name of her groom. Okay? 
So you went in and you went to the courthouse and you signed this thing called repentance and you professed, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. There, 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 is, there is cultural parameters for marriage. On a, even people from the world, they understand, you know, I'm going to go to the courthouse, I'm going to get my marriage license, and then we're going to have this public ceremony where the, the husband takes on the name of his wife. We see that even with people who are lost, they know. It, there is a cultural parameter that, that it, it's, it's open and it, has, it needs to be fulfilled. It's, it's almost a requirement. But the thing is, is that you could find someone random and you could you could go to the courthouse and you could sign your marriage license and you could go stand up before a group of people and you could say oh yeah I'm, I'm committing to marriage and uh you know we're gonna do this thing but if you never really love them if you never really love them all you did was sign a piece of paper that really meant nothing because the covenant paper the covenant profession without the heart doesn't mean anything. The baptism doesn't mean anything unless you have the heart of covenant behind it. So let's imagine this, this question, right? So you repent. You go and you sign your marriage license and then you go to the 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 the. the the ceremony and, and the, the bride takes on the name of her groom and then they're headed home to consummate the two becoming one what would happen if the husband looked at the wife and said okay let's let's go home and let's even saying hey let's go to our marriage ceremony let's let's head to our marriage let's go where you take on my name and then 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 the wife look at the husband and say well i love you but I don't really see how that's very necessary. That's a red flag. Just as much as being in the kitchen and, and asking if, if a minor thing is divorceable, it's, why would you not want? It's reasonable. You don't deserve to be in the relationship in the first place. Why would you not want to have the ceremony where you, you can step into covenant, publicly announce to everybody, hey, I want to be in this relationship? Then you move on and you're, and you're headed to your house. Or what happens whenever you, you have your marriage ceremony and you're leaving and the husband's headed home to consummate and then the, the, the wife looks at him and says, oh, I know other people do that, but I don't really think it's necessary. I don't really think it's necessary for you to fill me with your spirit, God. I know other people enjoy that and they say it's good, but is it really necessary? But the truth is, is if you are really in covenant, really in love, why would you not want it? There are parameters for, for marriage. A husband expects his wife to be faithful, expects her to be true. I, adultery is to man as idolatry is to God. So imagine a wife having this, this expectation for you to be faithful to me. But then the Bible says that if, if someone looks at someone with lust in their eye, they've already committed adultery in their heart. So even for, for a woman to look at someone else and want them, she's already committed the adultery. But even if she took it all the way and committed adultery in the flesh, is she still married? She is. Right? 
How, how does that problem get reconciled? How does that pro- this, this apparent problem in the cup, so a problem has arose. The, the wife, is, she, she's, she's not mature. She's fallen. She's sinful. Her husband's faithful. He's perfect. He's the best husband you could ever ask for. How is that problem reconciled? Us as the church sitting here and we have God and he's, he, is, he is our man. We have him and then we're looking across the room and I'm going I'm to use alcohol for an example and I hope that's okay. So, 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 okay, well the Bible says it's a sin to be drunk. But for me to look across the room and know I have my man, I have God, I have Jesus standing right beside me, he's faithful. And I'm going to look across the room and I say, man, that, that looks appetizing, that looks fun. I haven't even acted on it. I haven't even stepped out to flirt with it. I only looked and craved it. And I had already committed drunkenness in my heart. So if we're all honest, we've all committed idolatry against God. In one way or the other, we've all sinned against Him. It happens regularly. We're we're fallen. We're, We're sinful creatures. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without the grace of God. How does the grace of God enter into this situation? You see, the wife has to present herself to her husband. We see that, we see that in, 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 uh, in Genesis, whenever Adam and Eve, they fall. And God walks into the garden, and I don't know the exact quotation, but he walks in and he basically says, Hey, Adam, where are you? He already knew he was naked. He already knew exactly where he was hiding. Exactly where he was, but he asked, he said, hey, I want you to show yourself naked. Show me that you know that you are not worthy. Show me your shame. Reveal it to me. Present yourself to me. In a, with, with, with a husband and a wife here on earth, the, the, the husband has to look at the wife and try his very best to discern her heart. Brother Beard, I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart, Brother Beard. Sister Nita, I can't see your heart. You can't see mine. I can can look at a person and I can try to judge their fruits based, I can try to judge their heart based off of their fruits. I can try to look at their outward person. I can try to come to a reasonable conclusion based off the work that they do. But I don't really know for sure. But see, God doesn't have that problem. God does not have that problem. And I don't know if anybody in here has seen the Wizard of Oz at all. But there's, there's the big wizard and then there's a little man behind the curtain. And we, we all walk around every day showing everybody our wizard. And, and I see your wizard and you see mine. But the whole time God says, I, I know what's behind that curtain. I know what's there. We have to show ourselves. See, one day we're all going to stand before God and he's going to look at you and he's either going to tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. One day, one day God is going to judge our heart. He knows that we've committed idolatry. We all do it. We've all done it. 
I'm going to fail in the future many, many times. It's going to happen. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to. I fight it. The, 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 the verse we read earlier says the spirit and the flesh, they fight each other. They're constantly at war. You can see, you can see, you can have all these practical things. Maybe you were baptized in this very baptism. Baptized. Wet in Jesus' name. See, I, I can look at you and, I, and I, can, I can come to a reasonable conclusion that your heart is right based on your fruit, but I can't tell you for sure, and that's why we cannot be complacent. We're just having fulfilled those, those checks on the list. I wash the dishes, check. Take out the trash, check. Um, uh, I love you, check. I'm doing all the things. I must be good. This marriage is working out great. It's the same with us and God. Yes, God wants to see you in his house. Yes, God wants to see you do good. But not because we're trying to check off some meaningless box. But because we love him and have a hunger for relationship with him. See, Jesus gave us everything. He died on the cross for our sins. He paid our price. He paid the ransom. The truth is... I don't, now, you could correct me, but, and, I, and this may be a wrong way to explain it, but I don't believe that Jesus thinks that we owe him anything. And some, some people may be thrown out, oh, Jesus, Jesus doesn't think you owe him anything? Why are we even here if, if we don't owe him anything? That's because it's not a necessity, because Jesus is not forcing us to be in covenant. He's not forcing us to be in a relationship with him. But we should want to give him everything. In covenant relationship. Through true, meaningful love. Love for God and love for people. We must serve God when we are seen and when we're unseen, where the marriage won't work. You see, church is just a fancy date. It's a special time set aside for intimate moments. But that doesn't mean that we live without intimacy the other 99% of the time. You cannot make it on just Sunday and Wednesday's Holy Ghost. You can't do it. Relationship is what happens when you're in your house, when you're alone on a car ride. Relationship is what happens in private and in public. Everywhere we go, we are a representation of the covenant that we are in. We have a responsibility to stay faithful to him, to serve him. See, the king of the universe, he humbled himself he became a foot washer. He became the embodiment of servanthood and sacrifice, the physical expression of the spirit of love. When you really love someone, you act in their best interest. You show loyalty and compassion towards them.
See, in marriage, we're looking for that love and loyalty. But God's looking at us and expecting the very same thing. Ephesians 5, 25-27 says, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. But instead, she will be holy and without fault. Ephesians 4, 21-24 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You're marked. You've already been bought. You don't belong to yourself. You are already in covenant with somebody else. We do not have the right to go and entertain the spirits of the world. We are already married to God. We're not for sale. We can't be bought because the price has already been paid. And I'm going to close with this. What all of this boils down to, everything I've said tonight, it boils down to this one fact, and it's that God wants your heart. Luke 10 and 27 says, The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. We cannot be complacent with yesterday's love. We cannot be complacent with mediocre love. We cannot be complacent with half-hearted love. We cannot be complacent with love that is not willing to be shown. We cannot be complacent with this world's what's in it for me kind of love. And this is the part that gets me every time. And, and Jeremiah 17, 9-10, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives and give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. All of us, we carry around secret motives, we carry around junk, we carry around sinful nature. All of these things wrapped up in our carnal, deceitful human hearts. And there's only one way to renew your life. There's only one way to be a new creature. Only one. We have to fulfill covenant relationship. How do we do that? You have to give your heart away. In the book of Joel, it talks about the day of the Lord approaching. Then later down, it refers to it when it says this. This is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. 
Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and and fulfilled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. So God is sitting on the edge of his throne. The edge of his throne saying, please turn back to me. Please let me forgive you. I want to. All I need is for you to give me your heart. That is the message that this community needs to hear. That's the message that the world needs to hear is, hey, God is eager to forgive you. He wants to be married to you. He wants your heart, and he wants to be in relationship with you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless and we hope to see you on the next episode.